Amen. We almost want to keep singing and dancing and shouting. Doesn't it feel good to be in the house of the Lord? Praise. It's said often in this place, God hangs out in this place. It really does. Hallelujah. There's something that can't be explained and put into words or explained in any way. You just have to be here. Some people tell me, you know, I, I, I was online watching your church service, and I tell them, you need to be here if you can. It's a big difference when you sense the presence of the Lord in a place like this. And you know, let, let me just uh, uh, guide you here for a moment. It is nothing more than heaven responding to the praises of broken people. That, that's all it is. It really is. Uh, no one here is perfect. Uh, you, we're still on a journey. The Bible is clear that God inhabits the praises of his people, and the term inhabit in the original means to tabernacle. That means that he comes and settles in. So you can move heaven. You can move heaven through your praises. And then God comes and tabernacles himself around us. And the reason why God's presence is here, because the other thing that creates tension is he, I thought he was everywhere. Yes, he is omnipresent. He is. But to function as your prince of peace, to function as your strength, as your, as your Jehovah Rapha, you know, as your Jehovah Jireh, amen, uh, as your Jehovah Shalom, the attributes of God, it is the praises that people, broken people, redeemed people, restored people can lift up to the Lord, amen. Uh, holy people can't sing before the Lord because there are no such thing as holy people. If you believe in holy people, you believe in unicorns, and I want to sell you the Brooklyn Bridge. No, it's broken people, people that are on this journey of transformation. How many broken people do we have here? I see people raising two hands. That's the grace of God, that God makes the difference up in our lives. And it's, uh, I'm just grateful that you're here today. Thank you for making your way from so many places, uh, your own commitments, and you've made space to come here, and I want to also thank those that watch us via technology. God bless you, that the blessings of the Lord will be over your life in a very powerful way. In many of our journeys in life, whether it's in, in our professional life, whether it's the career that you have embarked on or deciding to embark on, uh, whether it's the goals that you have to start a business or write a book or maybe be a better father, mother, child, person, Oftentimes, we think the best scenarios in our minds. Uh, between our ears, we fix every, every problem in the history of humanity because we have this A, B, C, and D logical way, a creative way of resolving things. And I think we're not absent even in this audience of people that have come up with incredible ideas, fantastic ideas. Usually, the, the problem that we run into is in executing, is in doing. And there's no question that God wants us individually to move forward. I, I really don't believe that God wants you to have a eh, eh kind of life. I think God wants us to have a, an, an, an abundant life, a productive life, a life that's uh, filled with incredible promises. Now, along the way, we make poor decisions. Along the way, we might be distracted here or there. And some that don't learn on the first time, along the way, you're making the same mistake you made five years ago, five years before that, and five years before that. And in order for us to be transformative, in other words, don't go back to those things again, uh, we think of wonderful ideas, but we have a difficulty executing. And I want to just share with you for a few moments today under the theme, March Boldly. And really, it is a, a sermon of action 
It is enough with the rhetoric, enough with I'm going to get myself together and finally start getting yourself together. Enough with trying to address the issues that you're dealing in your home or your, the personal demons that you fight deep inside of your soul and your heart and finally get something going. I'm using the text found in Exodus, and Exodus is a very interesting book because Exodus means uh, the, the book of, of exiting, actually, the root word there is exit, of leaving, of departure, of moving on. And in that book, you find uh, the people of Israel really leaving captivity toward the promise, leaving where they are, plain of, of, uh, of slavery, of oppression, of exploitation, of no value, because that's what the, they were in, subject to someone else's strong arm, and moving from there into the promises that God has. And I, and I find fascinating in the story that you sometimes have to be in the cave of depression, in the moment of darkness, of impossibilities. And God has an incredible sense of humor that out of that place, he calls you out to your promise. It rarely is when you're riding high, the crest of success. Oftentimes is when you're almost going to give up, when you're not going to try anymore, when you're saying to yourself, oh me, oh my, what's the sense that the Lord comes in? Think about the story here. Israel was in captivity, slaves. And in that context, Jehovah God is telling them, march forward. Look at the text. It's found in... Uh, Exodus 14, I'll read one verse, but I'll just encapsulate some ideas that emerge from the text that I think will apply to us. It says, The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching boldly, it says. They had every reason to say, oh no, this is not where we belong in the desert. But God said something different. They had every right to say, I'm not even going to try. You ever get, you know, someone that gets up in the morning and that's it, they're not going to try anymore. But look at this. They had every reason not to try anymore. Pharaoh was too strong. And I don't know if you know, but if you read Bible history, the Pharaohs were considered gods, deity. So they were facing insurmountable uh, situations. But yet in that context, they decided, even with Pharaoh coming against them, they were going to believe God. And church, you and I need to get, a, get to a place in our journey in life where we've tried A, B, C, and D. We've tried all the proven uh, paths that we can take and options that we can explore to get out of our situation. But there comes a moment in our lives where we just have to believe God. Not religion. Not dogma. Not philosophy. But simply, as we heard preached just this very week, simply believe God for the miraculous. God is absurd. God is ludicrous. God doesn't make sense. That in the middle of darkness, in the middle of pain, in the middle of where we feel we can't even get up, the Lord comes in and says, march boldly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Think about it for a moment. When people that you have already concluded are better than you, more qualified than you, more anointed than you, more gifted than you, have done better than you, in that context, the Lord is telling you, march boldly. There's four quick ideas I want to share with you from the text. 
from the story. The first thing is, when you're talking about marching boldly, it's talking about really movement. You can't be stagnant. You have to have movement. The first thing I want you to see is that the people of Israel were marching as one. You can't have an army or a sports team win if when the, the moment to play, everybody scatters in different directions. Everyone needs to be going the same way. There needs to be a sense of, hum, of, of unity or harmony. And I like to play uh, uh, the words that come out of a, a harmony in, in Scripture. It really is a, a, a system of complementation. Not competition, contrary to what we see in common society, where I've got to make it, even if I have to step on you, your grandma, your great-grand-grandma, your, all your family members, I just got to make it because only number one matters. No, 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 in the Bible it isn't like that. And when we march forward, it is really in harmony, in step with one another, complementing rather than competing with one another. The only way the people of Israel were going to experience the miraculous in their journey was that they got it together and stopped thinking about titles and uh, the favorite person and the least favorite person and what zip code do you live in and you, are you the 1% or whatever it might be. Do you vote here, there, or everywhere? But rather that we're in this thing together. And church, I want to suggest to you today that we consider as a church and as a ministry that we consider continuing to be considerate of one another. We don't have the option to let someone fall by the wayside. We have to go back and pick them up and make sure that they're going to be all right. We don't have the option to give up on someone that has tried and tried and tried. We'll get frustrated. We get annoyed. But if you have a good relationship with someone that keeps falling and falling and falling, if you have a good relationship, you can tell them off in love. You ever had anybody tell you off in love? They're telling you off. If it was somebody else, you would punch them out. But because there's no doubt they love you and you love them, you put up with it. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. We have no option. We have to make sure that we watch for those that are powerful and mighty, anointed and gifted, and even those that are having a difficult time just facing the challenges of a day. The people of Israel were able to march boldly because they were united. Psalm 133 is so beautiful. One of my favorite psalms written by David the musician. And if you look at it, it really is a musical presentation because in the original rendering in the Hebrew, the word uh, to be together is really about harmony. And it's about notes complementing one another. I'm going to teach that. We talked that a long time ago, but that's what it's about. And the church needs to be an, an entity, an agency, a vehicle that people complement and we connect wherever we connect. But it is not about making myself look better than someone else or knocking down someone else so that I can be positioned to slide into that track of advancement. The only advancement in the kingdom of God is the road to the feet of Jesus. Did you get that? The only advancement. In society, we put names and titles and things and whatever it might be and goals to aspire to, but it is really the lowly. That's why the Lord said we need to be like children. Those are the kingdom of God. So we need to be united and, and, and harmonious in how we march forward. That's how you march boldly. Second observation from the text that applies there and applies to us today is that we need to be a people that leave the past behind. You don't, I hope you don't do this, take off your dirty clothes and before you wash, wash them, you go put them on again. Don't look at your neighbor right now. 
And I mean clothes. Imagine if you kept putting on the same socks over and over and over. Let me stay here for a moment. And over and over and over. <laughs> no. There needs to be a point in our lives where, come on, enough is enough with your history. You ever meet people, you ask them, how are you, and they tell you what happened to them 20 years ago, as if it happened today? And next year, you ask them the same thing, like it, it was 20 years ago, and they, you got injured. It went through, and I'm not trying to be insensitive to your journey. Please, don't think that at all. On the contrary, very sensitive and empathic to your journey. But there comes a moment where we have to understand that things that happen to us happen to us. You can't go back in time in a time machine and change that. My teaching here in the church is that there are things that happen that we just have to accept as historical markers and simply part of our historical journey. But if that defines you, that then owns you then. And we can complain from here to whenever, but there comes to a moment, and Israel needed to do that. In order for Israel to move forward, they needed to start, start forgetting the horrible experiences that they had in the desert. Because if they kept in mind and kept alive the injuries of the desert experience, they would not be equipped to enter into the promised land. And church, you and I need to let yesterday be yesterday. Yesterday's tears be yesterday. Yesterday's horror be yesterday. Someone treated you bad yesterday, they're not treating you bad today. Or maybe you treated somebody bad yesterday, repent today so you won't treat somebody badly today. Come on, say hallelujah if you can. In order to move, and, and you know, I, I, know I, I know humanity, so oftentimes, you know, it's this vindictive stuff that comes inside. You, you do it to me, I got to get back to you. Listen, chill out. Take it easy. Because it takes too much energy to get even. You're not reacting, just this size. It takes too much energy, church, to get even. If it's in, in, in family, if it's in business, if it's your, somebody you got a, had a bad interview, if, if a professor gave you a D instead of an A, they, whatever, it takes too much work. That's why the Lord says vengeance is mine. Vengeance will destroy you. Vindictiveness will destroy you. And now listen, I want to be practical. There are people that deserve a little vengeance here and there. But the Lord says, I will repay. That means that I don't have to get involved. You don't have to triangulate. You don't have to get involved. You don't have to scheme and strategize. You leave it in the hands of God. <clears throat> Come on, is there an amen in here today? Amen. Praise the Lord. So we, in order to march boldly, we need to be united in harmony. In order to march boldly, we need to leave the past behind us. Just remember those things as historical markers. This is the new day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us assess what we have at hand now to move forward. And I believe God has given us all the resources that we need to move forward. And whatever is missing, he will give it to us. If your mission is one that is driven by your heart and not your pocket, if it is driven by your heart and not your mind, if it's driven by your heart and not convenience or popularity, if your, if your mission in life is, is whole and, and solemn and holy before the Lord, your purpose is right before God. It isn't to put your name up in lights. It is simply to serve for, for and our theme in the church, it, it, one of the elements is that, uh, to, to, to work, works of, of, of service to people. Uh, there is a tremendous joy that comes into our lives. This week I was invited to speak to... Uh, the staff of the Manny Cantor Center here, the president is a dear friend of ours, uh, Alan, 
And uh, I was invited, and when they invited me, I thought it was going to be, I prepared for like 50 people that were going to be present. When I got there, there were, huge, there were so many people there, I couldn't even see Daisy in the crowd. <laughs> I mean, it was just so many people. And one of the things that I told them in that place, which was not a church, was not a church, it was a church building, it was in Riverside Church, but it was a different setting, where the, there's a level of satisfaction and I feel good about me thing that happens when we serve people just for the sake of serving. When the least of these are reached by our acts of charity, our acts of kindness. And you've heard my story over and over. I'll repeat it very quickly. You know, after a while I got sick and tired of holding the door for the person and never said hello. Well, thank you. But then the Lord convicted me, told me that I'm not better than that person. And that person might be going through something that they're not going to tell me. And maybe I should be a little bit more considerate. Like if I want to be like Jesus, maybe a, a thank you. Don't hold the door if what you want is a thank you. That wasn't for you. That was for me. So now I hold the door for whom, whom I watch at the end of the service. When you walk by as I'm holding the door, I say, hey, come back. You know. Just doing. Just serving. A word of kindness. A word of encouragement. A word that would lift up rather than tear down. The world is filled with too much brutality and abuse and bullying. Too much. Can we be the agents that would be, be uh, able to move forward and help people? So leaving the past behind, whatever injuries you suffered, let it be part of your resume of life, but certainly not how you project yourself forward. Third observation on the text. The first one was that we are united in harmony. The second one was that we need to leave the past behind and just keep it as a historical marker. And number three, in order to march boldly, whatever your endeavor would be, is be confident of your success. Uh, I'm not comfortable with people that make plans and then after they have this elaborate, elaborate presentation of what they're going to do and their, their vision board and what they're going to accomplish, and at the end of what they're done doing this thing, then they say, but let's see what happens. I mean, if I'm on the operating table, I don't want the doctor to say, Mr. Rivera, let's see what happens. Or you go to a restaurant, the cook is cooking, and they say, he's, let's see what happens. <laughs> but in life, come on, you know it's true. In life, we enter into an endeavor or a project already defeated in our heads. We're not expecting to win. We're not even expecting to compete, as Paul would speak to Timothy, in a way that's worthy of God. We have already assumed that I'm not going to make it. You go into the interview already assuming you're not going to make it. You're going into close the deal already assuming that there are problems in that deal that you put together, or whatever it might be. You already assume it. You're going to start exercising, but you know it's going to hurt, so you give up. When I go exercising, I think myself as the rock. I don't look like the rock. Well, my wife thinks I do, but... Oh, come on. I'm using that to make sure you're with me right now. But we already walk into the situation defeated. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to get into that college. I'm not going to be able to write the book. But we, we, we portray a picture that I, I've got this. And church, the, the people of Israel, when they were coming out of captivity, they, were, they already saw the promised land as theirs. Walking through the desert, they saw the promised land as theirs. And, and sometimes we give up before we have even started the battle. Even in bad diagnosis, the doctor tells you whatever. Right away, we're already making funeral plans. Right away, we think that it's over. No, we have a God that's in the business of the miraculous. 
We're a God that when, when the world says no and society says no, he has a way of saying yes and providing for us. We, we, we get to, so enamored with statistics. And we think that we're going to be one. No, God loves making exceptions. Hallelujah. Come on, as I look around the room, so many of us, you should have been six feet under. You should have lost your mind. You should have been totally destroyed. But God made an exception. Hallelujah. And here you are today. You shouldn't even be alive. And here you are today. You know what's amazing about God? That that is not just reserved for people that follow him. Even some of you here did not have God in your strategy or plan. But somehow, someway, in the craziness of your decision, where your friends got caught, your buddies got caught, everybody got, everyone got caught, but you did not, God spare you. Why? Because God has a plan over your life, and he wants to do something with you. Come on, put your hands together and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't prepare for Sunday sermon thinking, let's see what happens. No. I would do a disservice to you, and I would do a, a disservice to the call of God over my life and this sacred desk. No, I'm expecting people to be transformed. And even if no one comes up to the altar, and when we do the altar call, that you leave here with something messing you up inside. <laughs> Chuck Swindoll says that good preaching makes you feel uncomfortable, creates chaos inside of you but then presents a door of transformation. I want to make chaos in your heart and present a door of, of, of transformation. Come on, put your hands together and praise the Lord for a minute. Hallelujah. Let me encourage you. Be confident that you're going to win. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I am the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You may be going through a horrible marriage situation, but believe the Lord. Let him, let the Holy Spirit reframe your marriage and move forward. Don't say, well, this is it. One more try. Three strikes are out. Marriage is not baseball. Life is not baseball. You just got to keep getting back up and trying again. Pastor, but you don't know. I don't know, but he knows. Hallelujah. And oftentimes we enter the situation defeated. Totally defeated, and we get what we think when we should be getting what we believe. I believe the Lord, and I want to encourage parents and loved ones here, keep interceding for that loved one. Keep wearing out your knees praying for that loved one. Keep believing the Lord for the miraculous in your situation. That, that, that cloud of depression will dissipate. Just go forward and visualize what you're expecting. I don't know if you know, but I'm a professional sports person. I competed in all the Olympics since it started. In every discipline. Some of you are looking at me real funny because you know I know nothing about sports. But I've studied this aspect of it. That was just kidding, by the way, for the new ones. No, I don't have gold medals or anything. I have a medal that's covered by the blood of Jesus. That's all I have. <laughs> but listen, listen, listen. I've come to a place, to, and I know this is true and some of you know it, that professional athletes don't think that they're missing the hoop or the shot, rather. Are you kidding me? Richard Petty, when he's running around in NASCAR, some of you that are into cars like me, he doesn't think that he's going to come in second. Are you kidding me? Shaq, I don't, he doesn't play football anymore, right, Shaq? <laughs> I got it, I got it, I got it. I just want to see if you're with me. I just want to see if you're with me. I know nothing of sports. You think he's going to go into the game thinking he lost? Because if you go in thinking you're defeated, you 
will be. The Bible says I'm more than a conqueror. The Bible says that I am the head and not the tail. And I just want to encourage you. So when you're marching forward, boldly, united in harmony, boldly, the congregation needs to leave our past behind us. We need to be confident of our success. Stop double-guessing yourself as well. Stop. God knows your areas of strength and knows your areas of weakness. But he wants you. I, I told somebody recently that I'm real good at doing one thing, well, a few things, I think, but one thing in particular to survive. You ready for this? Can I boast with you for a moment? I can do one thing real good. But to proper English, I can do something very well. I'm an expert. You know what it is? I have this habit of obeying God. Even if I don't like it, even if I don't believe it, even if I say, God, I'm going to fight with you because I don't like this idea at all, I have this bad habit of just believing and the way the Lord speaks to me, and I'm sure to you here as well, is that feeling you're having right now in your heart. You don't need somebody screaming at you. No. It's just the work of the Holy Spirit that starts to gnaw away deep down inside. And you realize, you know what he's saying, it really makes sense to me. In fact, some of you are thinking this right now, that he's talking directly to me. Not me, it's God speaking to your context. In your situation. You need to be confident of success. Stop double-guessing yourself. And the fourth and final observation that I want to share with you in this sermon is that we need to be confident. Be confident of your success. Not only, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, be determined to march no matter what. And that means once you've started, hold on. There are many times on our journey with the Lord that we just have to hold on. That means even if I'm knocked down, I'm going to get back up. Even if I had a temporary setback, I'm going to get back up. Even if it looks like I have no one around me, I'm going to get back up. Even if it seems like this is a unique problem that no one else in the world has, I'm going to get myself back up. You know, you want to make the, uh, the enemy really defeated and angry in your life? Get back up. Don't stay down. He thought he killed you, destroyed you, and all of us, and I like it in the Bible, in the book, in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, it has this thing about the lamb, the lamb that looked like it was slaughtered, it looked like it was bleeding, it looked like it was defeated, but the Bible says, but it was, i rather stand bleeding, missing an arm. You know the story in the Bible where the guy wrestled with the angel, and the angel touched him, and now for the rest of his leadership life, I'd rather walk through life limping than walk erect and well down to the pits of hell. I'd rather walk limping, missing whatever, hurt, bleeding, have injury. Come on, church. Have injuries, disappointments, carry it heavy in my life. Hallelujah. Because the truth is life is not pristine. When it's not one thing one day, it's going to be somewhere else. And mature people can carry their burdens as they follow after the Lord. You heard me? Can follow after. That's what mature people do. And we need to be able to get back up and get going. So let me wrap it up. March boldly. United in harmony, church. That's how we're going to do it. We need to leave the past. And this church has a rich history. This church has been down here in lower Manhattan for over six decades. 
six, over six decades. We're about to celebrate our 64th year of being incorporated, but we were functioning before that as a group meeting and prayer down here on Monroe Street. But we, there comes a point when we need to stop talking about the things of the past and just say, you know what? Because the, the future is too bright and promising. The Lord spoke to me prophetically. I want to say it now. I was going to say it toward the end, but I'll say it now because I think it's appropriate. The Lord spoke to me prophetically in my times of prayer, and it was this year, not too, too long ago. And the Lord says, be prepared for the harvest. He says, prepare for the harvest. Staff up for the harvest. Make decisions for the harvest. Don't think about now. What you see now is not what it will be. And you know, I, I'm not even sharing that with you so you could join me. He said it. I said I have a bad problem. I believe him. I'm very obedient. That's what we're doing. And church, I want to encourage you today that it's time to march forward. It's time to move forward in whatever God has unfolded for your life, for your home, for your family, in your own journey. You've experienced religious experiences here and there. But I think it's about time that you start a relationship with God, with Jesus Christ in your life, and follow after him. We're witnesses of that in our own journey. Don't have it all together. Still going through situations. But our faith in the Lord remains strong because we know that we can conquer. We can be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus as he dwells in our hearts. And when we fail and make mistakes, the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive all of our sin when we confess them to him. In other words, God allows you to start over again, a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, and I'll leave it there because we don't have enough time.